Taiwan's tourism is recovering from the pandemic, with the latest estimates predicting that Taiwan will see its six millionth tourist of 2023 to arrive this week. In order to find ways to better promote tourism, Vice President Lai Qingde took part in the 67th anniversary event of the Taiwan Visitors Association. He suggested creating themed itineraries to attract visitors. For example, a military-themed tour of the outlying Jingmen archipelago. Let's hear from him. Taxis in Jinmen can be painted in camo, and the drivers can wear military uniforms. We could play military games and things like that. We hope that employment matching events and subsidies for labor shortages can boost the employment rate of older adults. Of course, there are still some shortfalls, so we're maintaining communication with the hospitality sector. The labor-deprived tourism industry is waiting for workers to return as efforts are made to attract visitors. Vice Premier Zhang Wenchan says the government will continue to provide matchmaking services to industry players and boost the capacity of the service sector. Ultimately, the goal is to grow Taiwan tourism into a trillion NT industry in 10 years. The one-time Tokyo residence of Taiwanese independence pioneer Subiang has opened to the public following renovations. A speech marking the event at Su's alma mater, Waseda University, drew hundreds, including Taiwan's representative to Japan, Frank Xie, and Academia Seneca researcher Wu Ren. President Tsai Ing-wen and Vice President Lai Qingde also offered their congratulations over video. People gather outside the new gourmet restaurant in Tokyo's Ikebukuro, all hoping to visit the newly renovated memorial to independence advocate Su Bing. As a Taiwanese person, I think it's a rare chance to better understand the independence movement. It's very worthwhile to preserve a place like this. As the former residence hadn't been used in over a decade, it took a considerable amount of time to tidy and renovate the space. The original menu and equipment for Su's restaurant were kept as were his music and book collection. Even the tatami has been preserved. We used this way to show visitors what it felt like for Su Ming dedicating his life to Taiwan. All his desires in life were condensed down to a few of the most basic items. On the opening day, the Su Bang Education Foundation held a talk at Su's alma mater, Waseda University. Representative to Japan Frank Xie was among the many VIPs in attendance. President Tsai Ing-wen and Vice President Lai Qingde also recorded videos to offer their congratulations. The Su Bing Memorial at his new gourmet restaurant in Tokyo is opening this month. We all know it was here that Su cooked noodles early in the morning and wrote late into the night, locating a path for Taiwanese both then and now. So many of Su's friends are gathered today at his alma mater, Waseda University, to witness the founding of the Su Bing Memorial. It's a touching moment. Many attendees said the event helped them better understand Sioux and Taiwanese history. As someone who's half Taiwanese, I need to understand Taiwan's history. Organizers chose Human Rights Day to open the memorial in Tokyo's Ikebukuro, drawing the younger generations who are to pass on Sioux's legacy.
After a hiatus of 12 years, the Executive Yuan's Technology Advisory Meeting is back. The event will last for three days and will bring together big names in tech and academia. Among the attendees on Wednesday are TSMC Chair Mark Liu, who appeared unfazed amid reports that Samsung could try to poach TSMC customers with lower prices. Liu said he wasn't afraid of losing business, adding that TSMC's clients are after quality tech. Reporters asked TSMC Chair Mark Liu about the possibility of TSMC launching 1.4 nanometer chip manufacturing at the Central Taiwan Science Park. They also asked him whether plans to get subsidies for a plant in Germany have fallen through. Liu did not respond, but he did talk about a potential semiconductor boom next year. I have said before that next year will be a very healthy year in terms of growth, so everyone rest assured. Our clients still look for quality in our tech. The TSMC chair said he was confident in his company's technology, adding that he was not afraid his clients would be poached by companies like Samsung. On Wednesday, Liu attended a technology advisory meeting. During the break, he spoke with Minister of Economic Affairs Wang Meihua, with whom he talked amicably for almost 10 minutes. He did, however, refuse to divulge what they had discussed. Meanwhile, MediaTek Chair Tai Ming-kai said he was ready and willing to offer suggestions for Taiwan's tech policies. As industry players, we discussed our experiences with everyone to help the government make the right decisions and avoid making the wrong decisions. The executive yuan has already put forward the Taiwan Chip-Based Industrial Innovation Program. Starting next year, the government plans to invest 300 billion NT over 10 years into deep artificial intelligence and chips to promote breakthroughs and innovation in the industry. In the future, the government will continue to offer its full support to industry players so that Taiwan can keep its leading position in terms of tech talent and R&D. After a hiatus of 12 years, the tech advisory meeting is back. Over the next three days, participants will discuss semiconductors, AI, and the transition to net zero carbon emissions. The event brings together major names in industry and academia from Taiwan and abroad. The key points of discussion will be released on Friday and are sure to bring major changes to the industry. Taiwan's government has been promoting R&D in sports technology with the goal of turning the tech into a trillion NT dollar industry by 2030. The Industrial Technology Research Institute, or ETRI, is now introducing the power of technology such as artificial intelligence, 3D sensor analytics and the artificial Internet of Things into the world of sports. On Tuesday, Etree showed off a new state-of-the-art golf simulator developed in collaboration with a startup. The hope is that the simulator will make the sport more accessible for younger people. He places his feet and engages his core to make a beautiful swing on the screen. This high-fidelity golf system combines reality with virtual reality to analyze movements and suggest improvements. For users, it's a valuable learning opportunity. 
This flat putting green can be used to practice straight putts. Head to the screen on the side to adjust the slope and terrain for a more dynamic experience. It may be indoors, but this practice room makes it feel as if you were on a real golf course. There are three different technologies at play. The first is AI, the second are sensors and IoT, the third is 3D sensor imaging. This is so that everything can be shown precisely at the experience site. Following trends in sports technology, Eitri has integrated a diverse array of tech advancements into the sport of golf. Working with a startup, it has created a large indoor golf simulator boasting 150 ping of space and seven golf courses. The goal is to make golf more accessible to the masses. Over the next three years, there will be a competitive market for indoor golf simulators and equipment brands. With a new generation of young people, the challenge will be packaging and branding the product in a way that can go global. Through strategic partnerships and interdisciplinary collaboration, we can promote solutions that can be marketed in Taiwan and Southeast Asia. That way, we can create a high-value-added solution and generate more profits from foreign sales. About 80% of golf equipment in the world is made in Taiwan. Eitri now wants to harness the power of ICT to create more opportunities in the sports tech industry. Pro athletes are more and more likely to pursue academics alongside their sports careers. That's partly down to schemes at universities that seek to support exceptional athletes to keep one foot in the classroom. A recent event at Furen Catholic University highlighted the school's equal regard for sports and academics. The university sports program has supported many of Taiwan's most famous pro athletes. The president of the college gets down onto the ping pong court. He can still stand up to the athletes in the match. This special sports event was held to give students and teachers a chance to move. It's part of the trend to value sporting and academic achievements side by side. Many people think that athletes are physically capable but mentally slow. But actually, I think that strategy is very important in sports. And it's quite important for athletes to challenge themselves both mentally and physically. Lin Yuting clinched boxing gold at the Hangzhou Asian Games. Now, to prepare for the Paris Olympics in 2024, her training schedule is packed. But she still decided to pursue advanced studies at the Business Administration Department of Furen Catholic University. The department is celebrating its 60th anniversary this year and invited two gold medalists from Hangzhou to be the guests of honor at the opening ceremony, Ling Yuting and basketballer Jiang Jun. The university's excellence in sport enrollment program is long established and benefited professional athletes like Guo Xingchun, Lin Unru and Zheng Yijing. People used to think that if you're exceptional at sports, you'll be simple in the head. That's not true today. To excel in sports today, you have to be very sharp mentally. From the university's side, having excellent athletes is the most economical kind of publicity. Take our business administration department as an example. You need to manage staff in every industry. So, for example, at our sporting events and marketing events, and with the cheerleading team, it takes excellent management skills to build up that platform. Mental and physical are equally important. More and more, athletes are keen to invest in their intellectual development while continuing to seek glory on the sports ground so the sporting career can burn brighter for longer.
Registration opened in the early hours of Wednesday for groups to book Taipei's Ketagalan Boulevard on the eve of the election on January 12th. This time around, Ke Wenzhou's Taiwan People's Party has secured the iconic venue for the big night. Now, setting up a stage and all the necessary equipment at the boulevard takes at least three days. That could conflict with the DPP, which will hold events at the site on January 9th and 11th. So what if the TPP can't set up in time? Let's hear from a party spokesperson. It really was a complete mobilization, with people trying to access the registration website and leap to action when bookings opened. In the end, we got the site, so we hope to be able to hold the event at Ketagalan Boulevard. We have thought of all sorts of backup plans. Will we have a traditional stage, or will we change our plans to do things a little differently this election? Our event for Election Day Eve is going to be radically different from the DPPs and KMTs. Holding a rally at a specific site is not necessarily what will grant you victory or defeat. This especially applies to the TPP. They snatched the venue, so we hope they'll be able to do their best and bring together enough people to put on an impressive event. Details are still unclear on the TPP's plans for the boulevard. Meanwhile, the DPP has not yet confirmed whether it will hold its final rally outside the party headquarters in Taipei. And the KMT says it will hold its event in New Taipei's Banqiao district. All parties are scrambling to come up with the best plan to end the election season with a bang. China has only recently reopened to Taidong's Atamoya fruit after suspending its importation for more than two years. However, it reportedly again blocked some imports over the discovery of pests. Researcher Wu Sezhi says the move is meant to influence the upcoming legislative elections. That sentiment was shared by DPP legislator Lin Jingyi, who urged local governments to avoid deceiving farmers with Chinese rhetoric. These atomoya arranged by quality grade were ineligible for export to China for over two years. Beijing recently lifted its ban, but is now reportedly turning the fruit away at the border yet again over pest infestations. On December 5th, the Taidong County government bypassed the cross-strait trade mechanism to export 2.9 tons of atomoya to China. Only one of the containers that arrived on December 7th passed customs. The other was sent back. We're definitely concerned, but we believe the standards asked of farmers become stricter to improve product quality. If one type of fruit relies so heavily on export to a single market, it will come with a certain amount of risk. DPP legislative candidate Lai Kuncheng warned that there was high risk to exporting a large amount at one time. Meanwhile, cross-strait affairs researcher Wu Sezhi says China opened to exports from only one county with an eye to the legislative elections. He says only accepting one container was likely meant to test whether it could affect voting behavior. The county commissioner disagreed, lying blame instead on the central government. We hope the central government could do better with customs requirements and help the Taidong government and farmers with inspections. China is the worst kind of customer who drops orders all the time. Now that this has happened, how long will you keep lying to our farmers? As farmers rely on their crops for a living, 
DPP members questioned whether more inspections would help reduce their risk of losses. Earlier this year, Taiwan introduced heavier penalties for drivers who fail to yield to pedestrians, a measure that has been criticized by some motorists. They say the policy gives pedestrians the right to behave as emperors, as if they own the road. That sentiment was captured in a drawing by a middle school student in Taoyuan, which has set off a flurry of debates online. Some argue that the artists shouldn't have made fun of disadvantaged groups, while others say everyone is free to express themselves however they please. The artwork in question depicts an emperor crossing the road with his eyes closed, accompanied by a turtle. In the background, car and scooter drivers can be seen honking angrily. The student school says the artist had simply been trying to promote mutual respect between pedestrians and motorists, adding that it will give talks on respecting pedestrians' right of way. The school principal says the student is aware of the storm that his drawing has set off, saying that the school will offer counseling so that the kid isn't discouraged from creating art in the future.